Hey everybody, how's it going? It's Ricky Warwick here from Black Star Writers, and you are watching CMS TV. It's docking right here on your classic metal show with It's Almost Over, a very appropriate song for the discussion we had in the first segment there with the AI, the introduction of the artificial intelligence that's uh, seemingly going to take over the world and uh, very quickly uh, doing so. But uh, a guy who kind of knows a little bit about that and somebody who's no stranger to the classic metal show as uh, he was raised on the classic metal show as a young Fellow, I want to welcome back to the mic for the first time in a long time, our uh, good friend and uh, partner and um, our my uh, pseudo son, CMS Mikey Esquire. So what's going on there, Michael? How are you this evening, Wendell? Uh, I'm well. I'm glad to have you here on the show. You uh, hit me up earlier in the week and realized that uh, Mr. Chris was having some physical issues and you asked if you could step in and uh, be of assistance here. And now here you are. Of course, we have to help our friends in need. And uh, Mr. Aiken was certainly in need and uh, figured might as well step up to the mic and do some fun radio. Sure. Well, it's been a while since we've had you on the show. Um, you know, for people who are the longtime listeners, uh, they remember you back from, geez, how long has it been, Mikey? It's been, what, uh, 15 years? My first call was 5-21-08, if I remember right. It was All whatever right. that Saturday was. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been, you've been in my life a majority of my life. Yeah, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a long time. So, uh, but uh, you went from uh, the squeaky voice little kid to uh, now being an esteemed lawyer in the uh, the world of the legal profession. And, you know, we watched you uh, grow and, and uh, you know, become the guy that you are today. And here you are uh, behind the mic again. And uh, the, you're, the, you're no stranger to radio either. You hosted your own show when you were in college and uh, did a show and uh, yes, periodically uh also do some guest hosting on on your old radio uh, show yes i do i almost went down there today but instead i photographed an event that happened uh here in the, the town over from me they had a um event about the east palestine train derailment with robert f kennedy jr so i went and photographed that today instead very nice well that's not too far from where you live no, uh, it's not yeah, so you uh you just live uh, basically a stone's throw from that mess and uh what do you, uh, what, what have you witnessed or what have you seen or anything that, uh, you could kind of tell us what's going on over there in that neck of the woods? Haven't seen anything personally, given where I am, I'm North and very slightly West of that. So the good news is wind patterns normally move East, West, not North, South. So that's kind of the good news. There was the concern when they did the burn, that it would blow north and it did a little bit but it wasn't enough to where i necessarily saw impacts thank goodness my work obviously takes place all indoors so i haven't seen any impacts and i know of no impacts in this area although i'm sure everyone has seen the videos now of people throwing stones into their creeks and things down in east palestine and seeing these nasty uh, rainbow shimmers off of the water and that's not good mm -hmm. um 
the event I went to today, uh, David O. Carpenter, who's a um, public health physician, was one of the panelists that spoke. And he said, it's not, he said, the vinyl chloride and the benzene, that's child's play. It's the dioxin that's the problem. Right. Of and course. dioxin comes from when you burn chlorine. Anytime you burn chlorine, you get dioxin, and that's the dangerous stuff. Sure. So we time will only tell with this. Right. Absolutely. Well, like I said, you don't live too far from from that accident, and uh, I know it's been you know in the news, obviously, and you know a big a big deal uh, over there, as it should be, an environmental <laughs> impact. So, yeah. uh, well, I'm glad that uh, it isn't you know affecting you personally on a day-to-day basis, but uh, I'm sure it was maybe a bit of a concern at some point. Yes, absolutely. I mean, my grandmother even called me. Uh, she was like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like 25 miles from that. So I I may feel a rumble if something if something detonates, but it won't uh, necessarily impact my day-to-day, thank the Lord. Right, absolutely. Well, Mikey, uh, you know, let's let's bring people up to date where you are with uh, your life and your career. I mean, obviously, uh, we, you know, spoke about, uh, you know, you graduating the law school and, and becoming, uh, you know, being sworn as an, in as an attorney for the state of Ohio. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, I was there for your swearing in. Uh, I came to a couple of your graduations through your through your years, visited your colleges, well, you know, visited you, you at uh, Akron University when you were uh, at the law school there, visited uh, with, uh, what was your other school called? The Downside? University of Mount Union. In yeah, there you go, Mount Union. I visited there, saw, you know, saw the layout and the radio station and, you know, the, you know, what you did there and. You know, you've been a very productive guy and, uh, you know, basically you. sticking with it and, and not being a fuck up like a lot of people in your age group, unfortunately. But uh, you're one of the good ones. Well, thank you, sir. That means a lot. So uh, what uh, what does your day entail now? I mean, obviously, you're you're practicing your law and you've uh, you know, you're you're in the you're in the workforce now. So uh, what what is it that you do exactly now? The good news is my workday occurs where you're looking at me. This is my office. It's the spare bedroom in my house. Um, I have a hell of a commute. I have the same commute Mr. Chris does. We, yeah, we walk down the hallway and you're at work. That traffic is a pain in the ass. <laughs> um, you know, you know, between the bedroom and the kitchen. Um, but anyway, uh, yes, I work from home. I work for a um major corporation i'll leave it there that's uh, fine. legal um legal analytics um things of that nature um basically repositories of legal documents and my job is attorney editor so basically i just hop on and i basically make cliff's notes for attorneys all day so okay. essentially my job is to make cases easier to find sure um, that's basically my whole day and the good news is my my company I work for is awesome to work for. Um, they have just great benefits, and I enjoy what it is that I do. Uh, it's often research heavy in terms of reading and writing. It's a lot of analysis, a lot of contemplation. So there's not a lot. When you get done with work, you just kind of want to scroll Instagram. You don't even want to think because uh, all you've done for eight hours is some pretty hardcore analysis at points. Um, but yeah, that's my day today is that, and it's like I said, it's a good job. It's a job I'd love to be able to stay with for many years to come. Cause it, I kind of get the immunity where a lot of my cohorts that graduated from law school, they have, um, very stressful work hours. If someone went to a Jones day or a McDonald Hopkins, just picking two major names here, 
they have billable hours targets and their billable hours targets could be in excess of 2000 a year. And if they don't hit that, there's the ax. Right. And right. so there's a lot of pressure to keep those, those hours churning and it's not easy work. And I'm seeing people already that have streaks of gray in their hair and they're already talking <laughs> about how, how disillusioned they've been, they've been in it a year, sure. you know, maybe two at the outset, you know, come on, you're disillusioned already, but I can't blame them because of the insane workload that's on them. And there right. is no margin for error. If they're wrong, then it's their job. It's their head. Sure. So it's a lot of pressure. My job has some of that, but not necessarily to that extent. So I'm fortunate in that regard. But yeah, it's my day to day job is basically I edit cases and basically help people find what they're looking for even faster. Gotcha. So so uh, do you have any aspirations or interests to get into like being a into trial lawyer or anything like that? I don't. And it's funny because I was told when you're in law school, you'll take legal writing one and legal writing two. Well, when you do legal writing two, you have to write what's called an appellate brief. So you have a trial and then you go to appeal the case. When you appeal a case, you have to write a brief. It basically says, okay, here's all the mistakes the lower court made. Well, they like you to might write a mock one to get you used to. It's a good way of teaching you that skill. And they have you just for a lark. They have you go out and argue it in front of a panel normally of local attorneys. That's what they did in my case. When I did my oral argument for that, they, of course, critiqued us after. And the one person said, you should be on trial team because you would do really good because you have that kind of theatrical thing. And I was like, OK, well, that's a nice way of saying that I'm a. Uh, yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, that was that was what was said. I never did trial team. I never really called to me uh, to be really good at trials. You have to be really quick with the rules of evidence. I mean, like lightning. And that's never been my bag. I can do them, but I have to think about it. It's like speaking in a different language. If you can conjugate verbs like that you'll be fine. But if you, if it takes you a while to get to the preterite in Spanish, then you're not going to speak that well. And it's, it's not going to be something you're going to do day to day. You're not going to be a oral translator per se. Okay. I get you. All right. Well, very cool. Well, I'm glad you've, uh, you know, landed, uh, landed a good gig and, uh, you know, you're, you're being, um, you know, productive and, and you seem to be satisfied with what you're doing so far. And, you know, you're always doing other things as well. Obviously radio is, a is a uh, interest in your of yours i know that uh you know you don't want, obviously don't get to do the whole radio gig or the podcasting gig as as much as maybe you'd like and i know you like to do the photography as well which obviously you were out doing that today mm -hmm. and uh so you got you know varied interest outside of work and uh you know just you know enjoying life making making a paycheck and uh you know exploring your other other hobbies and skills and uh living a good life well, thank you. Yeah, I'm trying my best because now the good news is I'm living on my own so I can just kind of go and run and do as I feel. And it's nice to be able to just get my little car and take off and with the cameras in tow and just see what comes to sure. me. You know? Absolutely. Well, uh, another interest of yours is a, is an interest of mine, obviously, uh, you know, owning and uh, firing guns. I mean, mm -hmm. over the last year or so, you've acquired a few guns of your own and, yes, I have. uh, you know, you are a staunch supporter of our second amendment and you like to go out there and, and exercise your second amendment, right. To own a gun. Mm -hmm. And you like to go to the firing range and go do some shooting on a Saturday. And, you know, sometimes you send me pictures, uh, of setting up at the range and going out there and so on and so forth. So, uh, what, uh, I know you bought an AR 15. Yes, I did. And uh, what else do you have? 
So yeah, the AR-15, um, quick plug, the Smith & Wesson M&P-15 is awesome. Um, it's a great, fairly moderately priced AR. I've had no problems with it. I love it. So I have that. I have the Mossberg Maverick 88. I know it's the Maverick. It's not the 500, but whatever. It all shoots the same to me, and it was a good bargain. Um, I have a Glock 45 chambered in 9mm, and I have a Henry US Survival AR-7 20 in chambered in 22 long rifle. Look at that. So look, at you're, you're getting a gun collection like mine. Absolutely. And I have all the cleaning supplies every time I go out, especially with the little 22, because 22 is a very kind of dirty round. Sure. Every time I bring it home, I field strip it and take it apart and clean right. it and oil it because it's just, it's so nasty. But I'm glad right. I maintain them and keep them. It's not like I just kind of use them and, you know, over your shoulder when it's That's done. I, do. I just, I just use mine and throw them over my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I would never be you. Right. Of course. Well, um, since we're talking guns and since you are a lawyer and since you mm -hmm. have an interest in such things, I, I had a couple of topics here that I'd like to cover with you and get your perspective, your young perspective. And uh, obviously there's a lot of uh, gun debate in this country, you know, because, you know, uh, wh where are your guns now? Are they out shooting the neighborhood while you're doing this? Are they you know, running around? Did you? track your guns lately are they out there doing something or what where'd they go you know i i i looked out the window before we started here and i could have sworn i seen two of them sprout legs and walk out the door i don't know how the hell they unlock that door there's two locks on that thing <laughs> so you know it, they were walking man it, it, i think they were headed for youngstown i don't know i mean it makes sense um but um yeah so they're unruly unruly sure and churlish and extremely churlish. All right. Well, over here in the uh, Illinois area, there's a, a suburb of Chicago called Naperville. Mm -hmm. And over in Naperville, uh, they were given the um, okay from a from a judge to uh, begin enforcing its ban on the sale of assault rifles. Mm -hmm. okay. Now I, I'm going to go through this story and I'm, and I'm going to see at the end of the story, if you pick up on what's missing here. Okay. Hit me. Naperville can begin enforcing its ban on the sale of assault rifles after a federal judge ruled that both the city's ordinances and the state law essentially establishing the same restrictions did not violate the constitution. U.S. District Judge Virginia Kendall denied a request from a Naperville gun shop owner who wanted a temporary injunction to block the ordinance halting the sale of assault weapons. From Gee, going I, think into a, I think you're giving away the lead there. there uh, from going, okay. into the, going into the effect uh, until a lawsuit seeking to overturn it is settled in court. Kendall said both Naperville's ban passed in August and Illinois ban on the sale and distribution of assault weapons and high capacity magazines approved five months later are constitutionally sound. Illinois and Naperville compelling argument their laws protect public safety by removing particularly dangerous weapons from circulation, she said in her opinion. City Attorney Michael DeSanto said Naperville's ordinance is now in effect as a result of that decision and subject to compliance and enforcement. There have not been any court rulings regarding the state's assault weapon legislation that inhibit the enforceability of the city's ordinances. 
In her ruling, Kendall said the Naperville gun shop owner failed to demonstrate he would be irreparably injured by the city's ban. Robert Beavis, no no uh, relation to Budhead, owner of the Law Weapons and Supply and the National Association of Gun Rights, filed a federal lawsuit in September saying the city's ban on the sale of assault rifles is unconstitutional and should be overturned. Beavis has not furnished any evidence that he will lose substantial sales and he can still sell almost any other type of gun. She added that while a high number of assault weapons are in circulation, only 5% or 24 million of the 462 million firearms are assault weapons. As a percentage of the total population, less than 2% of all Americans own assault weapons, she said. Beavis and the gun rights organization sought a court order from Kendall to block Naperville's ban on assault rifle sales from going in effect January 1st until the lawsuit was resolved. In December, the city agreed not to enforce the ban until Kendall ruled, which she now has. In the meantime, Illinois enacted its own ban on the sales of high-powered weapons and high-capacity magazines that would supersede Naperville's ordinances. The law is also being challenged in the courts, and several judges in southern Illinois counties put a temporary hold on its enforcement for downstate plaintiffs and firearms dealers. Beavis has not filed a challenge to the state law. Neither he nor the gun rights organizations could be reached for comment on Kendall's ruling or if they might seek to approve it. Smart for them to not comment. All right. So what's missing here, uh, attorney Michael? Allow us to define the words assault weapons. What is it? They didn't define it anywhere in that article. Nowhere. So nowhere. What, what is an assault rifle? You know, I got, I got a bottle of Mountain Valley right here. The official water of CMS Mikey um, <laughs> that I love. It's my favorite. Um, and, you know, you hit someone with this. It's going to hurt. It's going to leave a mark. It's a leader. Is that, an, is that an assault bottle? Depends on who's holding it. I know, but what what is an assault rifle and what is a high capacity magazine? You know, that that's always the question is how many rounds are you allowed? Yeah. What calibers? Yeah, are you well, what, uh, what, what constitutes a high capacity magazine? It, well, exactly. That's always the argument to me. And there's a YouTube guy out there by the name of Paul Harrell, if anyone is H-A-R-R-E-L-L. He was a former Marine, uh, really interesting guy. He kind of broke this down. He was like, you know, this this assault weapons thing is played out because after World War II, we had a lot of M1 carbines that came into the country and they all had 30 round magazines. And we had a lot of M1911s and they all had like six, 14 to 17 round magazines that were optional with them. We've had these weapons around. They've existed. Why now? Why are we having problems with them now? And to be honest, we're having problems with them now because people have very little respect for, in my opinion, they have very little respect for human life. I'm sorry. It's the way it is. I see people these days as they think life is cheap and it's not. It should be definitely protected. And those weapons are to protect, not hurt others in terms of the fact that you're only supposed to use that if your life is in beyond imminent peril. Mm -hmm. That's what it's meant for. And there's a cheapening, sadly, in the value of life these days. 
and you know it, everything is solved with shooting. Turn on your TV. I know you're not a network guy, but turn on your TV. How many shows are there where the where, where people just shoot at each other? You, you know, in terms of there's always cop shows or cop dramas, and you know everybody. You know, you know it's always a big gun battle and this and that. It's not glamorous to have to do that. It's not glamorous to do these things. It's heartrending and destroys lives and communities. Use it with care and with, with and with responsibility. It also boils down to training your children to value those things and to value the fact that, you know, they have the right to this defense, but they don't have the right to hurt anyone else, not a hair on their head. So that's the way I look at it, at least. Sure. But but the thing is, is not nothing in there was defined at all. No. And no, and no, no, and that's a very common tactic. Although I would kind of, and it's gonna, you're gonna kind of look at me as Scots when I say this. I agree with why they didn't grant the TRO. I agree with it because it's the, the whole argument of the TRO is that irreparable injury element. Mm-hmm. Just because you can't sell AR-15s is not irreparable injury. Now, if now, what, said, now what, are you saying that an AR-15 is an assault rifle? I'm not. I'm saying that it didn't count as a high enough percentage of his sales to demonstrate an irreparable injury. Well, I, and, and I get that part, but the thing is, is let's define what. Oh, is, I agree. Yes. What, what yeah, is yeah, exactly? Because in my, you know, from what my definition, from what I've always understood, assault uh, an assault weapon or assault rifle is an automatic. Yeah, the way I look at it is, and you can't sell them anyway, and you can't own them legally anyway. Well, so, you so, can sell them, and you can own them, no, but you, you have can't. to have possession of a federal firearms license. Well, yeah, but, but most people don't have a. Most people don't have an FFL. Oh, no, absolutely not. But the facts are that you can get them, but you basically surrender all your other rights to get them. Sure. You know what I mean? That that usually goes to being a dealer or a gunsmith or something like that. But the average person out there is not an FFL. No, 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 no. no, no. You can't buy one and you can't own Mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And matter of fact, the AR-15s are purposely designed to be complicated if should you ever have the hankering, you know, desire to make them automatic, they were purposely built to make them car complicated to turn automatic. Right. Of course. But anyway, regardless of that, I just was wondering if you would pick up on that, that oh, well, what, are, what is a high capacity magazine and what is an assault rifle? Yes. It, that's, that, that's always the question. Is and it's the, the question that scary guns that I show here on the show now and again, is that the big black scary gun? That's an assault rifle. When you mentioned that too, and it's funny because you show people two pictures, you show them a very nice all wood rifle, you know, maybe, maybe an optic on it. Oh, wow. That's gorgeous. That's beautiful. Okay. Yeah. You put it down, you pick up a picture of an AR 15, you go, Ooh, AR 15. And you look at me, go, they're the same gun. Yeah. What? One, yeah. one, one is black and scary. And the other one looks like it's hunting same rifle. gun. One looks like it goes over grandpa's, uh, grandpa's mantle the other one looks scary and mm, the same thing yeah exactly exactly all right well that's that's one subject down here any any last comments any any do you want to uh, wrap up the uh your thoughts on this yeah i'm i'm hoping that eventually we get a supreme court opinion that is more grounded in terms of the fact that it tells us where these rights will be protected in terms of whether or not they'll be subject to intermediate scrutiny or strict scrutiny. 
because that's for due process reasons that basically says the amount of evidence the government would have to present in order to have a reason to basically overturn those protections or or, or, or um, undo them. Because under both McDonald versus Chicago and DC versus Heller, it was held to be, especially under McDonald versus Chicago, it was held to be a fundamental right. But we don't know to what level of scrutiny that's going to be held yet. So I'm hoping that we'll get some clarification from the high court here, hopefully in the next term or two about that. Sure. Well, uh, you know, both Indiana and Ohio, uh, at the, at the end of last year, begin, uh, they both, uh, agreed that, uh, you can, um, conceal carry, uh, without mm-hmm. a permit because, uh, you're, you know, because the, uh, second amendment allows you to do that without, uh, the uh, being encumbered by having to go get a permit in order to um, have your, you know, second amendment rights or, or exercise your second amendment rights. So um, have you carried any one of your uh, small calibers with you? I haven't. Um, it's mainly a, and it's funny you mentioned this. I was talking to somebody else about this the other day. I don't have my CCW yet. And while I understand the laws as they're written, I feel it would be a better security for me to have the CCW training as well as just going through it. I mean, I go to the range. I know how to shoot. I understand that stuff. But I want to know how they teach the legalities of it. And also, I want to get a membership to the USCCA before I do anything else um, because they're a big supporter of the right to concealed carry as well. Um, and there is also concealed carry insurance. I have to look more into that. I don't know about that. Epi- all about its efficacy or not and all of the terms and conditions that come with it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, they'll, it, they'll uh, represent you if you get into a shooting incident. And what, and what do we call someone that represents themselves? The lawyer represents themselves has what? A fool, a fool for a client. Yes, exactly. they do. Never Absolutely. represent yourself. So that is something I'm going to look into. I haven't done it yet. I know I can. Um, but I just haven't exercised the right. Generally speaking, the thing I think about, and maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. Um, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, of course, is if I'm, I look over and I'm like, should I put it on me? And I think about it and I go, if I'm going someplace where I feel I need a gun, is that a place I should be going? And then I put it down and then I leave, you know, you know what I mean? Do I feel I need it? If if I'm if I'm going to a place I need it, I think I shouldn't be going there. Yeah, well, I, I if you got the force forethought that you need to have it with you because you're concerned, then maybe you shouldn't go there. And maybe I agree. With that. That's just that's just common sense. Exactly. That's just common sense. Um, Mr. Braverman was checking in with me through uh, the text, and he said that he was cited for ha- having an assault pencil. Oh, wow. An assault pencil. Because he shoved it through somebody's thorax. Probably because they played Linkin Park or his, um, what's his (laughs) other, what's his other, Daughtry. That's his other (laughs) beloved. Hey, Daughtry, E.B. Daughtry. Right. All right. So uh, anyway, um, since, since you are a gun guy, it's always good to talk to another gun guy. And, you know, obviously you're building up your little weapons collection over there and I always answer people who say, why do you, why do you have all those guns? And my answer is always because I can. 
because I can. And I will recommend to you the, if you don't have it, or if you don't have a 22 for some reason in your collection, that little Henry AR7 is a really nice little piece. It's real cheap to shoot. I got a bucket. They, they sell the bucket of bullets for, for 22 long. I think Remington sells it. It was about 100 bucks, but it's 1,400 rounds. And the rifle itself is only like 220 bucks. It's not an expensive rifle at all. So, well, I, I enjoy the, uh, the, um, pump shotgun that I have my 12 gauge. That's, that's <laughs> a lot of fun. And that wasn't real expensive either. That was about 350 bucks, but it's a cool, it's a cool, yeah. uh, 10 round, uh, sh- 12 gauge shotgun pump Your shoulder. Will thank you in the morning. Little, little pump action. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.